Okay. I hate to uh, uh, interrupt all of this jovial, happy, friendly discussion. I don't think they are either. I, I remember visiting a woman one time. I found out how to stop it, though. I was visiting a woman one time, and, and she had her mother. Her mother sitting on this side of me, and she was sitting on that side. And they were both complaining about their health at the same time. I mean, literally. I turned this way and like this and this and this way, and I finally stood them. I said, let's pray. That's, and I, I got them to stop talking about themselves. <laughs> so maybe that's a way to stop. Of course, another way to get people to stop is to take up a collection. That always does it too. <laughs> I will do it every time. All right, but let's have a prayer as we begin this session. Father, we thank you so much for this, this day, for the blessings that you have given to us this day, God. And you're awesome. We praise your name for just being our God, Father. And we thank you for the privilege of being your servants. We're not worthy of it, Lord. But help us, Lord, to not disappoint you. Help us to do the best we can, God, for, for you and for your kingdom's sake. And we thank you, Father, for all of these men who are here today that represent all of these different congregations of your people. And we pray, God, that we will, in our studies together, glean something that will help us to do a little bit better, Amen. to be more effective, and to be, have our batteries recharged, that we'll go back with more zeal and enthusiasm. And help us, Father, to to be evangelistic in our, in our approach to your work, Father. Help us to see souls. Help us, Father, to have a heart for souls. And help us, God, to, to repent when we lose that focus in life. We thank you now, Father, that and be with us in our study right now and help us to learn how to be better leaders of your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I've chosen to call this session Arise and Go Over Jordan. And uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to read, I'll do the reading now if it's okay. I, I would like for you to know I can read. And uh, so I'm going to be reading out of the book of Joshua. And uh, Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to read just a few verses out of this first chapter and then we'll have our discussion together. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the, from the wilderness, and, and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down to the sun shall be your coast. 
there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses so I'll be with thee I will not fail thee nor forsake thee be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance of the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to the, all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success have not I commanded thee be strong and of good courage be not afraid neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest I want you to notice the first verse of Joshua chapter 1 and then I want you to turn to Judges chapter 1 I want to make an observation before we get into our study those who are leaders now may not always be leaders now but leaders in the future therefore we need to constantly strive to mentor teach guide encourage others to come behind us now, I want to notice Joshua chapter 1 now Moses had been the leader our last study was about Jethro's advice to Moses and I call it common sense stuff now notice verse 1 now after the death of Moses now notice chapter 1 verse 1 judges now after the death of Joshua we're not going to be leaders forever so we need to think about not only the present as leaders I think we need to think about the future and one of the greatest challenges in our world today I believe is the need for leadership I don't think I've ever seen a time in my in my life that we needed it good leaders more in our nation uh, leaders that will be righteous people uh, where I was last week in a meeting there's a young man running for state senate and I I encouraged him and and uh, such a fine young man and we need people like that to be righteous people as leaders Le leadership is needed in the home uh, in Genesis 18 19 speaking about Abraham how he he, could, he led his family to, that they might know the Lord and serve the Lord and follow the Lord. That, that, that's, that's leadership. And we need it in the home. And of course, leadership is needed in the church. And I, I know you're always going to have the naysayers who say that 
that we have a, a dearth of leadership in the church today. And I think there's some regions of our country where that might possibly be the case. It's not always the case. And I possibly sitting in today and talking to some of the finest leaders in the Lord's church today in this room. But I'll tell you, that's not always the case. And when you do not have good leadership, either in the nation, the home, or the church, it can have disastrous results. And one of those results is it can cause people to go into to error, to, to, to believe and teach things that are not correct. Isaiah talked about those that, that would lead people and lead them astray, and it would bring them to a dead end, to a, into confusion and, and to death, actually. And Jesus talked about those that would bring you to a dead end. But if the blind should lead the blind, uh, what happened to them? All of them are going to fall into the ditch. You got blind leaders leading blind people, and it can also lead to one to to, uh, uh, to to hell. And that Jesus, the twenty-third chapter of Matthew is is a tough sermon. <laughs> Jesus preached tough. And he was talking to, to religious leaders that were, he said, you'd even compass land to seek, seek to make just one proselyte, but you'll make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. That's pretty tough language. Now, I, I, I read this definition. I gave you some definitions earlier about leaders. Here's another one. And maybe you can improve on it. A leader is a man who is out front moving in the right direction and he calls on other people to follow him that's a leader I've heard all the jokes about the leaders that you know want to know do you see a group of boys go by here boy scouts go by here I'm thy leader I've got to catch up a leader is always out front Paul I think understood that concept concept when he's taught in 1st Corinthians 11 and 1 to be followers of me just like I'm following Christ and, and we do follow Christ. He's the one who gave us an example to follow, 1 Peter 2.21. But I like what is found in, uh, Gideon said in Judges 7. And, and that's when they were going to rout the Midianites. And, 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 and I'm going to just put it in my terminology. If you men don't understand what to do, I want you to watch me. And you do just what I do. Follow my leadership. I think the text that I just read is a, is a model for good leadership. And uh, you might take it and do, do something else with it and improve on it. I hope you will. Joshua was given a commission, and it was a commission to lead. Uh, he was chosen, I think, to succeed Moses. And, and uh, Moses, it, God instructed Moses to ordain him as a leader. And... And Moses even knew and predicted this day was going to come when he would no longer be the leader. Someone would take his place. In verse 3 and verse 4, we learn that, that Joshua had conquering feet. He's told that every place that the sole of his foot shall tread upon, he said, that I, not I will give to you, I have given to you. He had been there before, hadn't he? And he said, everywhere you walk, I'm going to give this to you. He had walked there before as a spy. And when he and Caleb came back, 
they came back with a uh, very positive report. Unfortunately, people believe the negative report of the 10 spies and, and they paid uh, a price for that for 40 years. But he had seen the bounty, he had seen what was there. And uh, now he wanted to lead God's people in conquest of Canaan. And that is an interesting stu study. I recently did a study on that, the conquest of Canaan. But now, he had his commission to rise and to go over Jordan. I want you to think about that, arise and go over Jordan. It is true that you and I have our commission today. Uh, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And someone says, well, how long do you think we're going to have to do that? As long as there's one lost soul in the world. One lost soul. Do, do, do any, any of you remember when Mid-Mac Knight was making the circuit preaching, and did he come in this region, you know, talking about personal evangelism and all, and I, I heard him tell this story. And he said he was preaching in one place, and, and he said that he made the comment to the audience that, that we ought to start a meeting and preach for a month. And wouldn't that be unique today? <laughs> Usually down our way, it goes through Wednesday night, if at all. Uh, but he said there was a young man came to him. He was a recent convert. And he said, Brother McKnight, I would like to talk to you. And when they got off privately, he said, Brother McKnight, I'm ashamed of you. Well, I'm sure that knowing Mid's personality, that probably took him back a little bit. He said, well, why? He said, you got up and you said that we ought to start a meeting and you ought to hold it for a month. Brother McKnight, we ought to start a meeting and preach till Jesus comes. We have our commission. And what's needed today are conquering feet. Uh, you know, we read Romans 10, 13 to 15 about how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And we apply that primarily to preachers. We'll talk about a missionary, you know, and we'll use that to pump people up about helping a missionary. And the reason I know I've done that, but isn't it the case that every Christian ought to have conquering feet? That all, all of us have that challenge. And, and I would be welcome some discussion on this, and, and, but I think one of our greatest challenges as leaders in the church is how do we motivate and how do we mobilize the Christians today to arise and go over Jordan? And that, that's not always an easy task. Now, we live in a world of over 7 billion souls. I saw one estimate the other day that they said it's more like 10 million. I, I don't know how many, but I know that's more than I can calculate in my feeble brain. 
But most of these people have never heard about Jesus. I mean most of them. And, and when we think about the church today and, and the size of the church of Christ in America, and then you throw in those that are worldwide, we have not even touched the hem of the garment in evangelism. And I don't think that all of the tricks and all of the gimmicks that men can contrive will ever result in saving people's souls. I was recently on a lectureship in the Greater Mobile area, an area-wide lectureship, and asked to speak on the power of the gospel. And I made the observation in that lesson that it is the power of the gospel that is, is the power to save. And all of the gadgets and games and, and things that men can come up with try to, to, to appeal to the masses of people will not result in saving souls. It may stir up a crowd. It may stir enthusiasm. But, but I believe the way to do it is for us to lead the way in evangelism. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where it gets tough sometimes. That is, leaders in the church, we've got to lead the way. I have, I have had a, uh, th this is personal with me, but I have always refused to encourage other people to do something that I wouldn't do myself. I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask people to give of their means if I'm not striving to do my best in doing that very thing myself. I wouldn't ask people to read the Bible if I wasn't doing that myself, to pray if I wasn't doing it myself, to pray with my wife if I wasn't doing that myself. And I surely won't encourage anyone to do evangelism in a personal way if I'm not doing that myself. And my wife and I work together and as a team in trying to teach people. And uh, one of our latest uh, uh, success stories, if you want to call it that, was of a couple and their children. And they attend our Christian school. We have a Christian school of 350 students. And they, they came on a family and friends day. Family and friends day. And they stayed with us. And he began coming to the young adult class. She, she would marvel. She said, he's always gone to church with me, but he would never go to Sunday school. Well, we let that go by. And so Louise and I went by and visited with him just casually, you know. And just kept talking to them and associating with them. And he walks up to me one Sunday. And this is, this is music to a preacher's ears. He said, he said to me, this is, his name is Eric. He said, Billy, I think it's time for us to talk. <laughs> oh, I said, great. <laughs> and so over a period of several weeks, we studied in their home. And I draw out charts for people to look at when, I'm, when I teach them. I don't, sometimes I don't even go in with a pen or a piece of paper. I ask for theirs. And, and I write it out. And, and so their son said, you, you want to hear my memory verse? 
I've got to memorize. So he would quote his memory. He said, the first place in the Bible it talks about Jesus. I said, where is that, son? He said, Genesis 3.15. I said, absolutely. I said, quote it to him, and he did. And so I would draw out the chart, and I would ask him to teach it to his parents. <laughs> Twice, three times, four times, went over it a dozen times. Repetition is the best teacher in the world. Well, you've got to lead the, you've got to lead the way for, for, for the church. Do they know your evangelist? Let me tell you about something happened to me when I was 35 years old. I was living in Baymanette, Alabama, and some elders called me from a place, it was a new congregation at that time called Glencoe in uh, Alabama. They had had one preacher and they wanted to know if I would be interested in being their preacher. Well, I really wasn't. And they said, well, we want to talk to you. Well, I was going to be in a gospel meeting somewhere, so they came to hear me preach, and, and they wanted to go to, to some place that we could sit down and talk. And they did most of the talking. This is the way it started. We want you to be an evangelist. We want, to, we want you to preach in gospel meetings. We, we, we want you to, to be on radio and on television. We want you to do personal work, and we're going to lead the way. We'll be out there right beside you. We won't ask you to do and encourage you to do anything we are not going to do ourselves. We are already involved in evangelism. And then they asked me this question, and, and I stammered in answering. They said, are your elders soul winners? I said, oh, they're such good men. I said, we didn't ask you that. We assumed that. But are they soul winners? I said, well, they, they, they do what they can to, to win. They said, we asked you, are they soul winners? Those fellas kept me awake a night or two. <laughs> I'll tell you they did. I, I decided not to go there, and I went in a different direction after that, but... I think they had the right idea. We have to lead the way in evangelism. Well, you've got to have confidence if you're going to be a leader. Some, some people don't have self-confidence. They don't have any kind of confidence. Well, verse 5 tells us that they, they ought to have all the confidence in the world because the Lord said that I will never do what? I'll never leave you, and I'm not ever going to forsake you. Uh... He, he said, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. Well, my question is, how was the Lord with Moses? How early in life was God with Moses? Pardon? From the beginning, From the beginning of his life as an infant. Until when? Until he died. And he's still with him. And he's still with him, yes. <laughs> still with him, correct. So he's with him all the way. And he said, just like I was with Moses, Joshua, I want to tell you something. I'm going to be with you. That he would never leave him, he would never fail him, he would never forsake him. And, and the Lord, is, he's that same God today, and he's never failed to bless or protect people. He, he's the one who works all things together for our good. And, 
He never fails to honor His Word. His Word is good. He keeps His promises. He never fails to provide for the needs that we have, not all of our desires and not all of our wants. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply, what? All your needs. Somebody says, how can he do that? Because he owns everything. <laughs> and his bank never goes broke, let me tell you. But he also never fails to prosper a generous person or a liberal person. Give and it shall, not, not this is, is Luke 6, 38 says, give and it shall what? Be given unto you. He's never failed. And I believe that with all of my heart for two reasons. One reason is because God said it. The second reason is because I've experienced it. And he's never failed to reward righteous people. He will always reward righteous people. But here's the point for us as leaders. He never fails to be with those who lead and teach his people. Now, I love the Great Commission. And you do too. I can tell you do. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't, let's, don't forget this part of it. Teaching them, that is the people we've baptized, to do what? Observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. But don't ever forget this part. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Sometimes it's lonely at the top, isn't it? It's lonely at the top. The elders meet. There, there's, there's, a, there's a situation you have with a family. It's a serious situation. You can't share this with anyone. You can't share it with your wife. You might not even think it wise at this point to share it with your preacher. And so you go to bed with that on you. We have three elders at Summerdale. 186. Spryer than I am. I'm 76 and one is about 40 or 41 years old. He's a kid. <laughs> but he's growing. He is, he is fantastic. Fantastic. And so you go to, you have that burden. And it's lonely sometimes when you share have to, that by yourself. But I have the comfort of knowing that I'm not alone. You remember Paul was in prison? And he, in 2 Timothy 4, he said, No man stood with me. How lonely he must have felt. Forsaken he must have felt. But the next sweep of the pen of inspiration, he said, But who stood with him? The Lord stood with me. And so let's remember as elders that, that we're never alone. And we can have the confidence that as, as leaders of the Lord's people that God will enable us to go from one victory to another. Uh, I, I can do all things. How many things? All things. How? Through Christ who strengthens me. And, and we can't allow conflict or criticism or the conflict of criticism to deter our mission and, and uh, we studied Nehemiah how he refused to allow that to happen
Now, there are some reasons that Joshua might have been lacking in courage. There, there might have been some reasons that he could have been fearful as a leader. He was beginning a new work. Do you remember the first week you were an elder? <laughs> Do you remember that? The first elders meeting you were in as an elder and, and uh, uh, he had been given a staggering responsibility leading these people conquering a land. And then he, he, he couldn't go to Moses and get advice from him. One, one of the advantages that I had when I when I became the preacher of what used to be called the old Plateau Church in Mobile, Alabama, I followed V.P. Black, who had been the preacher 27 years. And about three or four years after I was, we, I was there, we relocated to another place and changed the name of the congregation. But he was still alive. See, I could go to him for advice, and I did quite frequently. But he couldn't go to Moses because Moses, his predecessor, was dead. And Joshua wasn't a spring chicken himself, was he? How old was he at this time? Anybody recall? He was up in his 80s. How many are up in their 80s? Oh, come on, admit. Come, all y'all are young, as young as 80s I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> But he had every, every, every reason to have the courage, the needed strength and courage to the test. And these are the reasons that I've assigned. He had the unlimited power of God. He had the ceaseless presence of God. And he had the steadfast promise of God. And God's promise was, I will not ever, ever leave you. I will not ever forsake you. So when you get discouraged as a leader, think about that. That will give us courage to lead, and it takes it. Now, strength and courage are, are needed items. Someone was describing the elders where they were uh, members, and it broke my heart when they described the elders like this. They are a weak eldership, and I suppose there are those that exist that are like that. And that can be the cause of, of indecision. That is, uh, sometimes the elders, elder, eldership is, uh, can't make a decision because they're afraid they might rock the boat. They would never be able to referee a football game, could they? Or a basketball game. You gotta make decisions, and, and sometimes you make decisions after reflection, and you make the decision, sometimes it's not a good one, but you made one, and I don't know which is worse, to not make one or to make a one bad one. Uh, sometimes that can be the result of discontent uh, among the leader of the, among the membership of the church, it can cause digression. It can cause our young people to come become a disillusion with the church and to leave the church, and it can cause you to lose your credibility with the church. So I think there has to be some kind of a balance in what we're doing, and and this is exactly what he was told. Number one, he was told to be strong, to be strong. And we're to be strong in the Lord and the power is mine. We're strong to bear the infirmities of people that are not strong. And as we just read from Philippians 4.13, we get our strength from the Lord. We ought to be strong in our faith. We ought to be strong in grace. We ought to be strong in consolation. We ought to be strong in, in our teaching. And I believe in, and I'll mention this in a, in a moment, but I, I believe that, that we ought to be balanced even there. 
a balance in what we do. And Paul taught the, uh, commended the brethren in Acts 20 to the gospel of the grace of God and he commended them to the word of his grace and grace teaches us to be strong in doctrine is to be strong in grace, to be strong in the doctrine or the teaching uh, of the word of God. So we need to be strong in, in our doctrine, but we need to be strong in supporting other people. Uh, those that are strong ought not to be critical of other people, but we ought to support those that are weak. In that chapter of Romans 15, he said even Christ did not please himself, but he was looking out for whom? He's looking out for us, wasn't he, when he went to the cross. And as leaders, we can't always please ourselves. We've got to be strong in supporting others. Strong, support the weak. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And that passage is in a context where he had talked about the leaders of the church. And that we ought to be supportive of the leadership of the church. And, and it takes a strong leadership to maintain unity. And I've often said, as long as an eldership is united, as long as an eldership and the deacons are united, as long as the eldership, the deacons, and the preacher are united, all the demons in hell could not divide that congregation. Unity. We've got to try to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. To be strong, we have to hold to the pure gospel and, and, and not change it. That We live in an age of change today, but we can't change the gospel. It's, it's unchangeable. Uh, we're to, to, to be set for the defense of it, Philippians 4, or 1, rather, 17. And, and here's what's hard to make of an unpopular decision. Sometimes it's not a popular decision. We had a, a woman in the church at Somerdale, and this is what I'm talking about. She began to, to she, she stopped living with her husband, and she began to live with a, a convict, an ex-convict. He was a, and I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. The elders tried to get her to come to, to, for us to sit down and talk. She refused. And after a number of efforts at trying to sit down and talk with her, they said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to send her a registered letter. She'll have to at least sign for it. And we're going to give her, we should give her sufficient time to get in touch with us, or number two, or to come before the church and repent of what she's done. Because she had a group of ladies in the church that they, they associated with all the time. They knew what was going on. They didn't tell us, but we found it out the hard way. So when we decided that, that we were going to have to withdraw our fellowship from her, I said, out of respect for these women, I said, I think we're going to sit down and talk to them and tell them what we're doing. I said, they may not like what we're doing, but it's got to be done. Number one, trying to get, to get her to come to her senses. And number two, try to keep the church pure. But you know, those ladies said, we understand. We just hope you won't use her as, a, as, a, as an example and not do it to anybody else. And, and that was not a very popular decision, but you have to make them. 
And, and sometimes it, it takes strength to, to stand alone if it's necessary. But when I think about standing alone, I think about Jesus. He stood alone at Calvary for all of us. And then it takes strength to watch for people's souls and, and uh, as a shepherd of the flocks. Take, be strong. And a lack of courage can defeat us. You think about Gideon when he conquered the Midianites with 300 men of courage. And the opposite of fear is faith. The fearful, the unbelieving, Revelation 21, 8. And, and Paul had courage. He had problems, but he said, be strong, be courageous. Folks, we're in a life and death struggle with a strong and a, and a wicked, crafty enemy. And we got to be strong. Strong in the Lord. But he said also, uh, there's to be some communication. Verses 7 and 8, he talked about the law of the Lord. And he was to, to, to keep in mind the law of the Lord and turn not to the right hand. And he said, don't turn to the left. Now, in your mind, that might mean something other than what I think of, okay? But I think of balance. I think about staying right here in the center when you say don't turn to the right and don't turn to the left. I, th I think so many of our problems that we are experiencing in the Lord's church today are become because some in their eagerness have turned to the hard right or they have turned to the hard left. Stay balanced. Stay balanced. We're, we're not without instructions. Uh, we have our instructions today. And I found out the hard way in trying to put together one of my children's swing sets one Christmas. That when everything else fails, do what? Oh, you bet. You put them together too. <laughs> yeah, I had that thing put together and I had a lot of parts left over. You know, I thought, I don't need to read the instructions. You know, anybody could put a swing set together and I had all of these parts left over laying on the ground there and I thought, what do they go to? And then I got to looking at the instructions. I had to start taking it apart, putting them where they belong. When everything else, we ought to read the instructions. And I think most, if not all, of our failures in leading God's people for not listening to God. Wasn't that the problem with Nadab and Abihu? Hmm? Wasn't that the problem with who else? How about Cain? Cain? What about King Saul? What about Moses? Huh? What well, about Ananias and Sapphira? For when we don't listen to God, you know, it's not going to turn out too good, folks. Balance is needed in leadership, but you need it everything you do. We talk about the balance of nature. I took my car in the other day to, to have the oil changed, the tires rotated. I went to pick it up. They said, we balanced your tires. Wonderful. Drives better now. Balance. 
You ever try to figure out a checkbook that's out of balance? Uh -huh. they, they, you have to balance the checkbook. And, and even those that are in athletics know there has to be, you have to ba have some balance on a team. And, and, and some of you are involved in athletics. And there's a balance of the inner ear. You had ever had that all, oh, I've had that terrible, terrible. They say, well, you, you're, you're, the reason you, you're, you can't balance is because you've got a problem with, with your inner ear. And we've got a lot of folk in the church that are off balance, people. They're off balance. They need to be balanced. And they turn to the radical right and they want to bind where God loosed. Now there is a real debate today <laughs> about tithes. Did you know that? Maybe you didn't know there was a big debate in the church over tithes. That is in some congregations. That you have to wear a tie. When you wait on the table, you have to wear a tie. Now if I waited on the table, I'd have on one. That's a per personal preference of mine. But the t I, I learned the origin of tithes. It had nothing to do with worship. They began to wear them. Roman soldiers wear this, wore this sash around their necks and maybe it was to wipe the blood off or maybe, I don't know what it was for. But then they developed into tithes and I think tithes were, were probably to, you know, when they were eating they'd use it as a napkin. At least that's what happens to mine. <laughs> I, had a, I had a bunch of ties I gave to my, our youth minister. I was going to get rid of them. He said, well, I'll take them. And he said every time he would put one on, the children would say, well, let's see what Brother Lambert ate when he wore that one. <laughs> so uh, you, can't, you cannot bind something that, where God has loosed. That's an opinion. I illustrate it like this. It's my person. I have baptized people in spas, in swimming pools, in a muddy pond where the mud almost came up to your knees. I have baptized people in creeks, in rivers, and, and I think even in the ocean. It's my personal opinion that it's much better to have a nice, Warm baptistry. That's my opinion. But if I started preaching that you're wrong, if you don't have a baptistry in your building, I'm wrong. You see, you cannot bind where God loosed. I don't care what the subject is. It's my opinion that it's so much better for God's people to have a nice building to meet in. That tomorrow's the Lord's day, and all of us could go out and meet under a tree somewhere and worship God, right? But isn't it better to have a building to meet in? That's my opinion. But I cannot bind my opinion as a law. But some are not balanced. They, they turn to a radical right, and they bind as a matter of law where God loosed. Then there are those on the liberal left who loose where God bound. They said, well now, 
I know that's what it said, but there's a way I see it. I can tell some of you have heard that before. <laughs> this, is a way, this, is my, this is the way I feel about it. And they want to take their opinion about something where God has uh, bound and they want to take that and loose it to do anything they want to do. And that's resulted in a lot of uh, problems in the church. As long as we follow the instructions. And we're going to be the kind of leader God wants us to be. Just follow the instructions. There was a chain of command. If you notice this chain of command. There, and there's a chain of command in the church actually. <coughs> Jesus said all authority has been given unto me. He didn't have original authority. He had delegated authority. God gave him that authority. So any authority Christ had was authority God gave to him. So that was delegated authority. That was a chain of authority. And then the Holy Spirit was inspired. And inspired the apostles and others to write the New Testament. And there are shepherds of the church today, but they're the under-shepherds of the one to whom all authority was given. And that's Christ. Now, as long as we follow the leader, we're going to be okay. God commanded Joshua, Joshua 1 and 9. In turn, in verse 10, Joshua commanded the leaders. And number three, the leaders commanded the people, Joshua 1 and verse 11. And that's spiritual leadership under the command of God. And we have that same chain of leadership in the church today. We have God, we have Christ, the Holy Spirit. And we have those who are the under-shepherds of Christ. He is the chief shepherd, 1 Peter 5 and 4. And so those are to shepherd the flock of God on earth today. They in turn have people they teach, who in turn teach others, who in turn teach others. That's the chain of command. That's, that's the way they did with Joshua. And there was the completion of that leadership. He said, you're going to be prosperous and I will give you the land. He didn't say you might have the land, I'm going to give it to you. Actually, the land had already been given before they conquered it, right? Before they conquered it. And so he had been assured of success if he would lead just like God directed him. But he had to conquer the land. And we are assured of victory today if we follow the command of God. Now, there's a commitment to lead. And this is what the, someone's, uh, verse 16, this is what the people said. We will do, we will go. We're going to do this and we will go. Someone said, if you want to know how good a leader you are, turn around and see who's following you. Who's behind you. And these people followed Joshua's leadership. I believe people will follow leaders that have strength and courage. They're going to follow leaders that know where they are going, what they're doing. And leaders who know how to encourage and how to motivate them. Now, verse 18, I want to read that verse to you. 
Joshua 1.18.